Well, amen. Thank you, ladies, for that. Did you enjoy the choir song this morning? I hope so. It took us forever to learn it. Um, <laughs> I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I, my favorite part in that whole song is where it says you, you split the seas so I could walk right through it. You drown my fears in perfect love. You rescued me, and I will stand and sing. I am a child of God. I want to use that theme this morning to launch us into a three-week Christmas series titled simply, Fear Not. Fear not. And I uh, did something this week that I've done on a number of other occasions. Uh, I asked some of our Facebook followers to share with me some of the things that they fear. And some of the answers, some of the responses were, were pretty much what I, what I expected. Spiders and uh, heights. And roller coasters, feel sorry for people that are scared of roller coasters. They are missing out big time. Clowns, anybody afraid of clowns? Wow. Tight spaces, that was me. Absolutely hate, 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 hate. Tight spaces. Somebody said railroad tracks and trains. Snakes. Somebody said the dark. Probably the most unique one that I've never, ever, ever, ever heard in my life was the fear of closed shower curtains. But you know, I got to thinking about that a little bit. I got a little fear for myself, so I just took a shower this morning with the curtain open. <laughs> and then I found out I have a greater fear than closed shower curtains. That's my wife. <laughs> Didn't go too well for me this morning. They said something could be behind there. Well, you shouldn't have watched that movie years ago. <laughs> but then there were some more serious fears, not that those, listen, talk to somebody that says you're afraid of clowns, if you want to know whether that's a serious fear or not, put a clown in front of them, they're liable to beat you plumb to death. Throw a spider out there, and I'm not saying that those aren't serious fears for those who are afraid of those things, but here, here's, here's some more things that were listed the fear of drowning. I, I put that one on there. It goes back to when I was, you know the story, I was like six years old at Mead Lake and I almost drowned. Um, that petrifies me. That, that's a fear of mine. Somebody said this, the fear of becoming useless. The fear of failing. Losing family, especially a child. Somebody else put losing family, 
before they come to know the Lord. And then somebody else shared, and they, they uh, also put on there, this comes from a personal experience when they were a child, the fear of dying in a fire. Regardless of what your fear is this morning, I think you would agree with me that fear can be a fearful thing. Throughout the Christmas narrative, as it's recorded in the Gospels, we read on three different occasions where angels appeared to three different people. And it's interesting that in each one of those situations, in every one of those occurrences, the angels' first words were the same every time. Fear not. Today we're, we're going to look in the Gospel of Luke, if you want to be turning there, Luke chapter 1, and we're going to look at an angel's appearance to a teenage girl that we're all familiar with. Her name was Mary. Next week, we're going to focus on her fiancé, Joseph, as the angel appeared to him, and we're going to talk next week about being fearful of what other people think about us. And then two weeks from today, we'll read about how the angel appeared to the shepherds. And I'll be addressing the real fear of where we stand with God. Brother Tyler talked a little bit about that this morning and testimony of his salvation and but still fearing where he stood with God, and we'll talk about that. Today I want us to address this fear, the fear of what God is asking you to do. Pastor, is that a, a real fear? Absolutely. And here's how it plays out or may play out in the heart of those who, who struggle with this, and their testimony would be this. You know, I, I really love God. I, honestly, I do. I love Him with all of my heart. I, I, I love being in church. I, I love being involved in ministry. I, I love the Christian friends that, that God has brought into my life. I'm excited about the direction of my life right now. I mean, it's just, it just really, it's all good. Okay, well, maybe it's not all good. You see, there's this, this issue of surrender that I'm struggling with. And the reason I'm struggling with it is because I'm afraid that if I fully surrender to God to the point that He has total access to every area of my life that he might ask me to do something or change something or give up something that's totally going to blow up my plans I mean what if what if I totally give it all to him and and my life ends up going in a direction that I never planned for it to go. 
Yeah, that's a real fear. Fear causes us to focus on the what ifs. What if the president's tax plan doesn't pan out? What, what if someone I love gets cancer? What if I lose my job? What if I never, ever get married? What if I marry a jerk? And we have kids, and those kids look like the jerk, and they serve as an eternal reminder, I married a jerk. And the what-ifs can go on and on and on and on. Can I just share a verse of Scripture with you real quick? And, and we'll not refer back to it. We're going to get into our text after this. But it's such a strong statement from the Scriptures. God hath not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, church, if a spirit of fear does not come from God, then who does it come from? Satan, exactly. Remember that. Those fears that are churning in you are not from God. They're not heavenly in nature. They're hellish in nature. They're from Satan. So let's get into our text this morning. What are, why are some people afraid of, of God's plans for their life? Why are they fearful of surrender and the possibility of, of what God might do? And let, me, let me give you a couple of things to think about this morning. Number one, because God's interruptions are often inconvenient. God's interruptions are often inconvenient we see this fact in in the story right off the bat in verse 26 luke chapter 1 if you're with me say amen luke chapter 1 and verse 26 the bible says this and in the and in the sixth month that would be in the sixth month of elizabeth's pregnancy elizabeth was mary's cousin she also happened to be the mother of john the baptist so in the sixth month of her pregnancy, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, folks, understand this this morning. When you think about angels in the Bible, don't picture these chubby little bald-headed naked babies with wings floating around on clouds playing harps. Okay, that may may make great toilet paper commercials but it's not bible biblical angels were fierce warlike creatures who were very capable of wiping out nations at god's command but yet at the same time were so submissive to him that they were willing to go and care for and protect an innocent child. This particular angel is only one of two angels in all of the scriptures that are named. The other one we know is Michael the archangel or the chief angel or the head angel. This one's name happened to be Gabriel. Verse 27 
He came to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was what? Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored among, or that, excuse me, hail, thou that art highly, highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when he saw him, when she saw him, he was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind. That, that means that she, she began to consider, she began to deliberate, she, she began to, to reckon thoroughly what manner of salutation this should be. Go back to the word trouble there. It could be translated freaking out. Mary wasn't like, oh, look, an angel. I've always wanted to see an angel. How cool is this? There's an angel in my room. No, it was like, an angel. I've never seen an angel. What is an angel doing in my room? She was troubled. How many of you understand that? She was troubled. She wasn't curious. She was troubled, agitated in her soul. Here's a little bit of the backstory. We don't know exactly how old Mary was at this point. But if the path of her life followed the same path of, of other young Jewish ladies, then she was probably somewhere in her early teens. And I say that because it was common in the culture of her day once a uh, uh, for a young girl, once she hit puberty, to be promised or betrothed to be married. Remember, in that culture, in that day, marriages were arranged. And by the way, they still are in many places in the world. And how many of you parents say, I wish I could have got in on some of that? Don't raise your hand. So you have this ordinary teenage girl who is engaged to be married by the arrangement of her parents and she it's her culture she doesn't know any different she's happy she's excited she's doing the same things that engaged girls do today she's on pinterest <laughs> and she's hoping to, to find out some really creative ways to make this special day unforgettable and memorable and She's probably already naming her children, and she's just enjoying life. And all of a sudden, boom, out of nowhere, this angel appears. Listen, this wasn't something that happened on a regular basis. So she knew this was going to be something special. And once Mary was calmed down a bit, she started to think about what this angelic visitation could possibly mean for her. If you're taking notes, here's an important principle that we can take away from this story. What we call interruptions, God often means as invitations. What we often look at is say, oh, what a bummer. This is interrupting my plans. It's really not an interruption at all. It's an invitation from God. 
those times when we're convinced that God is interrupting our plans are most often, again, not interruptions at all. They are invitations to get in on His plan. You see, sometimes God invites us to something higher, something bigger, something better, something greater. And there are a number of examples that I could share with you this morning uh, from the Bible itself. For example, God interrupted Moses' day. He was on the backside of the desert. He was tending the sheep. And all of a sudden, God interrupted his day through a, 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 by a voice speaking out of a bush that was on fire but wasn't being consumed. And God invited Moses that day to be the deliverer of a nation. God interrupted David's day when he again was tending the sheep out in the pasture. And that interruption turned out to be an invitation to be the king of a nation. In the book of Judges, there was a man named Gideon who was threshing wheat when all of a sudden God interrupted him and invited him to become a courageous leader and to defend a noble cause. In the New Testament, we Read how God interrupted the day of a man named Peter, a fisherman named Peter, and issued to him an invitation to come and be fishers of men. There was a man in the book of Acts, his name was Saul, he hated Christians. He made it his job, he made it his, his mission to capture and jail and sometimes even kill as many Christians as possible. And one day he was on the road to a place called Damascus and God interrupted his day with a bright light and a voice from heaven. And by the time it was all said and done, it wasn't an interruption at all. It was an invitation for him to join God's team. And he got saved and God changed his name to Paul and God used him as one of the greatest missionaries to ever live. And he used him to write the majority of the New Testament. I wonder how many times we've dismissed God's invitations as mere interruptions of our plans and we've missed out on something new and different that he wanted in our life. I don't know how this may play out for you, but if you're sensitive enough to see that maybe, just maybe, the thing that you consider to be an interruption is actually an invitation. God may take you somewhere and use you to do something that you could have never done on your own. I mean, it could play out any number of ways and no doubt some of you here this morning, I know for a fact that some of you here this morning, you have your own interruption invitation story. If I were to ask some of you, you could talk about how you weren't really into God and you weren't really into Jesus, you weren't really into church, and one day a friend of yours or a family member of yours interrupted your weekend plans with an invitation to Fellowship Baptist Church. And you're like, nah, nah, I don't think so. I, I really don't have time. But they weren't willing to take no for an answer. 
And they stayed after you. And they stayed after you. And they stayed after you. And they never gave up. And finally you just waved your hands and surrender and said, okay, I'll go to church. And in your mind you were thinking, hey, if I just get this out of the way, I can get them off my back. And when you walked in, it was like in your mind, this is going to be easy in, easy out. But God had a different plan. And before you knew it, God was speaking to you. Maybe through a song or through somebody's friendliness or maybe through the sermon. And through that whole ordeal, you, you felt your, your heart softening toward God. And you actually felt yourself being drawn toward God. And, and by the end of the service, you only had one option. And that was to cry out to Him for forgiveness. And that day, God changed your life supernaturally forever. And what you thought was an interruption on Saturday was really God's invitation to a life far, far, far better than what you could have ever had on your own. Or maybe your story is from the other perspective. You're the believer and you were at work or maybe out and about and, and just out of nowhere, it's like God impressed you to, to minister to this person that he brought to mind or put on your heart and you were like, well, God, right... I'm busy, I don't have time for that right now, I'll catch it later. But the Holy Spirit was insistent. And so you made that phone call, or you stopped and knocked on the door and made that visit, and before, before you left, you were ministering to that person in a way that you didn't even know you were capable of doing. And what you thought was an interruption of your time was really God's invitation for you to be a blessing in somebody else's life. You see how that works? Maybe you're here today and your testimony is something like this. Yeah, I just went to church, just minding my own business. All of a sudden, the pastor walked up to me or one of the other ministry staff walked up to me or a lay leader walked up to me and asked me if I would consider praying about being involved in this ministry. And I was like, nah, I don't think so. Well, maybe. Okay, I'll give it a shot. I don't have time, but I'll give it a shot. <laughs> this is funny because I know some stories. For some of you, that was years ago. And you're still involved. And there's, there's just, there's no way you can think about your life now without being involved in that ministry. What you thought was an interruption from the pastor or a staff member or a lay leader wasn't an interruption. It was an invitation from God to get involved in a ministry that would end up changing many, many lives over the course of years. Let's get back to Mary. There she is. She's planning her life out when all of a sudden she has this angelic visitor show up like out of nowhere. And look at the first thing that she said, verse, or he said, verse 30. What is it? Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. 
Mary's thinking favor. Hey, if God's giving out favor, I want to get in on some of that. I like favor. Maybe this is going to be like some kind of uh, marriage reality show, and they'll end up paying for my whole wedding, and maybe even for our honeymoon. This is going to be awesome. And God didn't have that kind of favor in mind, which brings us to a second thought this morning, that we, we, why we sometimes fear what God might ask us to do. The first reason is because God's interruptions are often inconvenient. But here's a second thought this morning. Because his purpose is often different than our plans. God's purpose is often different than our plans. Look at verse 31. The angel says, Fear not, Mary, you, you found favor with God, and behold... Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shalt call his name, what church? Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the, most high, son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Put yourself in Mary's shoes. One moment you're so overwhelmed with humility at the thought that God would use you to be the mother of his son. And the next minute you're fraught with fear as you ponder what are people going to say? What are people going to think? And we'll look at that next week. Understand this. Being pregnant out of wedlock was not celebrated in that day like it is in our day. There were no showers. There were no balloons. There were no parties. It was a very shameful thing. As a matter of fact, it was a sin that they thought worthy of death. You with me? This is no small thing here, folks. Get out of 2017. Get back in the, in the time of the Bible. This is no small thing. This is a young teenage girl, a virgin. She's never been with a man, and now she shows up pregnant. How's she going to tell Joseph? Can you imagine that conversation? Joseph? Honey, I, I need you to sit down. I got, I got something I need to tell you. Listen, listen, please, please promise me you won't get mad. Just hear me out. Don't get mad at me. Please listen to me. Don't get angry. Don't get mad. I'm pregnant. You're not the father. God is. I mean, I, I mean, God is through the Holy Spirit. I, I, I mean, Joseph, I don't know what I mean. Let me just tell you what happened. Can you picture that? It's a crazy story, is it not? This is a nutso story. And you've got to know this morning that none of this was part of Mary's plan for her life. 
This was far, far different than anything that she had planned. And I'm reminded of something God said in the book of Isaiah. For my thoughts, my plans, if you will, are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let me tell you how this played out in my life. I never planned to be in the ministry. My plan was to be a music teacher. That's what I wanted to do. That's what I wanted to be. I loved music. I loved my music teacher at school I grew up in. And we had a great relationship. And I just, it was just me. It's who I was. It's what I did. I loved it. And after trying out at, at Frank Phillips College in Borger, I, I was awarded a significant scholarship and I was on my way. That's where I was going to go. And just Weeks before me leaving Tyrone and, and going to Borger, Pastor Landis, Brother Tyler talked about him this morning, caught me one night after the services at youth camp and asked me what my plans were. And I knew where this conversation was going. Because I knew that Borger was my plan. But I knew it wasn't God's plan. Well, sure enough, Brother Landis asked me if, that night if I thought that going to school at Frank Phillips was God's perfect will for my life. And I had to be honest. And I said, no, I, I don't, but it's what I want to do. Finally, after about a two-hour conversation, I knew what I needed to do if I really wanted to get in on God's best for my life. And so, here I am, over 40 years later, in the ministry. You see, God's purpose was different than my plan. There may be some college students here today, and you've got the road, your roadmap to success. I mean, it's all mapped out. You've got it laid out. It's, it's all there. You know exactly where you're going, exactly what you want to do. But God's got a greater purpose for your life. And in order to achieve it, you've got to be willing to surrender and scrap your plan. For God's plans. Let me share another personal story with you. Before I ever met Katie, I was engaged to another girl to be married. But God had other plans, greater plans. When I told Katie I was going to talk about this this morning, she said, you, you better tell them how much greater God's plans were. <laughs> And then she said, and if you need me to write it out, I will. <laughs> I 
Now, I'll be honest. At that time, I couldn't even begin to think that there was someone better. But after all these years, honey, it's evident that God was, God was preparing someone, and I say this with all seriousness, God was preparing someone infinitely better to serve him with than that other person. I don't mean that to be ugly or mean. I'm just being honest with you. God had a bigger purpose and a better plan for my life. And what I thought was God's interruption was really his invitation to fulfill his purpose for my life. Again, I don't know how this may play out in, in your life someday, but believe me, God's purpose is always going to be better than your plans. His purpose for your career is always going to be better than your plans. His purpose for your retirement is always going to be better than what your plans are for your retirement. His purpose for your family is always going to be better than what your plans are. Look at verse 34. Then said Mary unto the angel, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. She's like, pardon me, I, I mean no disrespect, but virgins don't have babies. That's physically impossible. This angel's announcement to Mary would, would be like, an angel appearing to me tomorrow night and saying, hey, you're going to win next year's U.S. Open. You ever seen me play golf? You know that's not possible. If I could drive like Bobby Widener and lie like Jim Potts, then I still wouldn't have a chance. I'm that bad. So this was a surprise to Mary. She's like, no way. This is not possible. Listen to me this morning. There may very well come a time when God interrupts your life big time. And his purpose is going to be different than your plan. And he's going to ask you to have faith and believe him. But you're going to be like Mary, and in your mind, you're going to be thinking that's impossible. And in your mind, there's just no way that you could ever forgive that person. In your mind, there's, there's no way that you could be that generous and give that much and trust him to give it back. In your mind, there's no way that your marriage could be healed or your prodigal could be restored or your lost loved one could be reached with the gospel. In your mind, there's no way that that relationship can be reconciled after what they said and after what you did. Listen, this is where Mary was. There was no way for this to happen. 
God, this is impossible. This doesn't happen. Verse 35. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. and The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. For with God, verse 37, nothing shall be impossible. Here is the angel's response. Mary, you're right. You're right. Humanly speaking, this is impossible. But with God, nothing is impossible. I don't know who this message might be for today. But there may be someone here this morning who's facing something enormous. And you need to know this morning, you need to hear this morning that with God, nothing is impossible. You need to be reminded that we serve an all-knowing and ever-present and all-powerful God who in a moment's time can intervene in your life, listen, and turn the impossible into the I'm possible. Because he can do that. Now, Having said that, let me ask you this morning, what is God asking you to do? What is God asking you to believe? Now, for some of you, boom, that answer's right there. You know right now. You know that God's asking you to do this, or God's asking you to do that, or God's asking you to believe Him in this area of your life. You say, well, Pastor, God's asking me to surrender to him and and to surrender my career plans to him or God's asking me, I know, and he's been asking me for a while now to, to get involved in this ministry or, or that ministry. Or God's asking me to, uh, to step out and, and be more generous in my giving by faith. And, and God's asking me to reach out again to that lost family member or that friend with the gospel. And you know right away the answer. You don't even have to think about it. You know what God's asking you to do. You know what, what God's asking you to believe him for. And there may be others, you're not sure. You'd have to think about that for a day or two. And that's okay, that's fine. Regardless of what group you're in, can I just give you a word of encouragement this morning? Whenever God invites you to get in on his higher purpose for your life, would you just remember this? Write this down in the margin of your Bible. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is ours. Outcome is God's responsibility. Obedience is yours. When it comes to God's purpose... Listen, you don't have to worry about about how it's all going to work out. Can you imagine Mary? I mean, 
She's not dumb. She knows how babies are made. She knows what all of that's about. And then this is uh, God's coming. The Holy Ghost is coming. Going to overshadow me. Blah! I, I don't get it. This doesn't make any sense. I don't understand it. But it wasn't Mary's to understand. She didn't have to worry about how it was going to happen. That's outcome. That's God's corner. That's on him. What was on her was obedience. Am I willing to obey? Am I willing to step out in faith? Am I willing to believe the word of God and act on it no matter how I feel? Because God promises a good result. But again, Pastor, I I don't understand. (coughs) Listen, (coughs) Mary's response to the angel, and we'll read it in a minute in verse 38, but her response teaches us that we don't have to understand completely to obey perfectly. Did you get that? Nine times out of ten, God's not going to give you every answer. You're going to take a step of faith, and God's going to give you another answer. And you're going to take another step of faith, and God's going to give you an answer. And you're going to take another step of faith. God, Listen, it's rare that God's just going to unfold everything right before you. Yeah, but pastor, if I, don't, if I do this, what's going to happen? Listen, it doesn't matter if it's what God's leading you to do. What's going to happen is not up to you. That's outcome. That's up to God. But you'll never find out what's going to happen if you don't take that first step of obedience. Look at verse 38. There's this angel, and Mary's confused, and she's trying to figure out what this is all about, and how's this going to happen, and how can I have a baby? I don't Listen, Joseph and I have never been together in that way. I, I don't get it. And, and, and then he talks about God's going to overshadow me, and the Holy Spirit's going to come on me, and ah, this is just nuts. But finally, in verse 38, Mary says this, Behold, the handmaid, the servant of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. That was Mary's surrender. I don't get it all. I don't understand it all. It doesn't even make sense to me. But be it unto me according to thy word. If it's what God wants, then I'm going to obey. And I'm not going to fear the outcome. Because the outcome is up to God. We're almost done. Mary, listen, she understood who she was And she understood whose she was. She understood she was a child of God. And that she was his servant. And at the end of the day. Listen church, at the end of the day. That's all, that's all that any of us need to remember. I belong to the king of kings. And I am his servant. 
Would you say that with me this morning? I belong to the King of Kings, and I'm His servant. Say it again. I belong to the King of Kings, and I'm His servant. Now say it like you mean it. I belong to the King of Kings, and I'm His servant. Let's pray.